0: Hi everyone, my name is Walter Lim and thank you for tuning in to the Majestic Road Podcast. Life with God is a wonderful journey that has its ups and downs. Right now, many of us could be facing a daunting downhill battle and trying to find a way to get back up. It is my hope that with this new season of the podcast, I can continue to encourage all of you, no matter the situation you're in or are currently facing. I pray that this episode will be uplifting and give you the joy and strength to stay on that journey with the Lord. Let's get going. On today's episode, I'm joined by a gentleman who has been using his skills to entertain while spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ and promoting positive stewardship principles. He's a master on the billiards table with a tremendous career cemented with a place in the Billiard Hall of Fame. He's an author, ambassador, and founding father of artistic pool. He also encourages everyone to play skillfully with a shout of joy. You can find more about our guest at www. DrQPromotions.com, D-R-C-U-E-Promotions.com. He is Tom, Dr. Q, Rossman. Sir, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Well, Walter, it's a joy to be here. I'm I'm excited about this, and I hope that your listeners will enjoy it as well.
0: I'm very excited, and I can't wait to go on this journey of of your life. So let's begin. Um, Obviously, this season that we're in is a little different because of the current COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, which is unfortunately affecting the entire world uh, that we're living. In, no matter where you are, these states, uh, overseas, um, and being that we are where we are in this situation, Tom, um, you know, it's really my hope and prayer for everyone, including you and your family, to be covered by the Lord's grace during this time, knowing that He will get us through this difficult time. So, before we get going on, Tom, how are you and your family doing uh, during these unique times in our lives?
1: Well, you know, Walter, God's been very good to us. My, my wife and I are here in Indiana. We uh, about over twenty-five years ago, uh, God provided a uh, acre of land here in Indiana. Uh, so we're we're socially distanced quite a bit from others around us, and, but but at the same time, we're more than six feet. We've got about three hundred feet of length and about one hundred and fifty feet of width. But the point is, is uh, we can still talk to our neighbors across the yard, you know, and we can still uh, we live on a state highway, and uh, in general, God gave us this beautiful little, we call it God's perfect little acre. He, he gave it to us eventually to be used for ministry. That's another story. But the point is uh, uh, we're, we're, we're in a situation where we can smell the fresh air, look at God's creation, watch the birds. we got woodpeckers, you know, in the back of the property. So uh, we're doing well. I mean, you know, and health-wise, we're, we're hanging in there um, I'm 70 years old. i got a few aches and pains, but the bottom line is I'm feeling well, and so is my wife right now. So thank you for asking. Our whole family basically is doing well.
0: It's encouraging, and I'm I'm thankful that uh, the Lord has really covered you and your family uh, during this time. And, again, I hope everyone out there listening right now is in the same same place, and uh, I will lift up a prayer. And, you know, we should definitely intercede for this nation and this world uh, during this time. Tom, you're known as Dr. Q. It's C-U-E, as in the stick <laughs> For those that are listening and may not know, uh, and you spent more than 40 years with that game of pool. But I'm interested, and I'm wondering before we move on to your, um, your path that you were currently on, that if, was there a chance that maybe you had chosen something else? Like, what would you be doing if you weren't with the pool table?
1: Well, that's a great question. I have a, a – I grew up on a farm, so I would have one of two different things that I would uh, probably follow. One would be a lawnmower service. I love cutting grass. I started cutting grass uh, on the farm. I uh, grew up until I was age 16. I cut grass for grandparents. I cut grass for other people. I did handy work as cutting grass whenever I needed a few extra dollars. So a mower service is something. I just something about when you cut grass and you're outside, you can commune with God, and, and you can see his uh, growth and the life that uh, exists in that. Um, and if it wasn't for the mower service, uh, I would uh, probably be one of the guys in the yellow jackets, now, I'm not talking about the deal in France, okay? Uh, you know, they had the Yellow Jacket deal. I'm talking about back when I got out of college, uh, there I, I, did, I had to submit some uh, applications where to go to work. One of them was to the Brunswick Corporation uh, in, in a retail sales situation, and the other one was to the American Bowling Congress. That's changed names now, but it was about a 4 million-strong uh, sports field and the ABC was looking for people to uh, come to their national event they would hold every year. It was a 90-day event where they'd go into an arena like some big hall somewhere in a convention center, put 80 lanes in or more, and then they would hire these guys in yellow jackets. There would be six of them that would, and I went to those tournaments as a bowler because I bowled a 300, so I was used to going to those tournaments. And uh, I always saw these guys in yellow jackets on the floor and they were walking around. They were taking pictures, and they were... Writing stories, and I would have probably ended up. And I did, by the way, before I took the job for Brunswick, they hired me as a retail person in Chicago. I actually had that acceptance by them, but I didn't. I didn't accept it on my end, and I would have been able to do that job probably as a career, uh, writing stories, taking photography, and I didn't even know how to snap a camera, but I did know how to write because I was writing in school and stuff like that. So, anyway, there was been either one of the guys in the yellow jackets, or I had a lawnmower service.
0: <laughs> okay, that's actually kind of almost two extremes, which I think kind of plays in nice because, as you mentioned earlier, you know you want an acre, kind of a area, so you are surrounded by right lots of lawn and grass, so that's good, something there. And bowling, <laughs> well, I feel I like
1: actually, I actually got my, you know, you know, Walter, I got my uh, fix on the cutting the grass because I got about a three quarters of an acre to cut, so that works fine anyway. I still got the mower service.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Do you still bowl on the side when you can?
1: You know, it's interesting. I don't bowl anymore. Uh, I, I, I So I lost the connection to the bowling. After I bowled at 300, I continued on the bowl for a few years. But I got a, a little bit of issue with the heavy bowling ball. I went to a lighter one. I just eventually lost the interest in it, got to billiards. I You know, after I bowled at 300, I realized you couldn't get a higher score. 301 was not possible unless you had a good scorekeeper. So I said, I'm going to go to billiards and, and pursue that because there was no perfection in it. And so that basically is what happened. And, and uh, now I still also, and it's interesting about the guy in the yellow jacket, just to flip over here, I ended up still have uh, seen the guys in the yellow jackets because uh, when I went back over there a couple years ago with uh, Steve Lillis with Gospel Trick Shot, we mm-hmm. actually were there during the time when the yellow jackets were around. So I, I got a chance to even have a connection to them.
0: Whoa. <laughs> Oh, that's that's very. So God, right.
1: God has a good sense of humor once again. <laughs> he
0: does, and he weaves things that we may think like, "Wait, what are you doing?" But yet, it actually makes it winds up making sense in the end. It's that's yeah, pretty funny. It sure does. Um, That's actually uh, perfect to my next question. So obviously, you didn't play pool. Uh, sorry, you didn't choose bowling as a profession. Uh, you didn't choose lawn maintenance and cutting the grass. You did wind up on the pool table, um, and you found it very early in your life, almost 10 years old, I believe. So how did you? find it, and then what made you really fall in love with it? Outside of knowing that you couldn't score more than 300 in bowling. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, you know, Walter, I've had a lot of people ask me how, the, how uh, I found the sport and how you find different things, and I don't, think the, I don't think that's the question. I'm going to alter it a little bit. I think that, mm-hmm. that things have a way of finding you. It's kind of like God finding you. Right. We, he's always trying to get our attention and find us. But we try to. We don't always seek the right places. So I don't try to find stuff anymore. Even when something is lost, I know the Lord. God knows where it's at. So I just, if I just give it to Him, and I'm supposed to have it back, and it becomes a stewardship principle, you know, with me, then He has a way of of finding us because He knows where everything is anyway. And so He knew where I was. And this, as far as the sport goes. As I look back in that process of him finding me, he started that, I believe, when I was even on the farm. There's a couple of steps here I want to share with you. Mm -hmm. Uh, One was a series of events. When I was on the farm, and I call these uh, from rack to rack steps. Now, I've I've got a book I'm working on called From Rack to Rack, and and this is about how we travel in life from one stage to another. Uh, And even in the pre-rack days when I was on the farm before – I knew anything about a pool table. I only knew about tractors and stuff like that. Uh, I didn't really know much, but I I knew that as I looked back, God protected me on the farm because there were times when there were accidents and I could have easily got injured or lost my life. But God was watching over there and protecting me for a higher purpose later, you know, to serve him. Um, Then one Saturday night when I was 10 years old, Dad took me into this little pool room, and this is kind of where it started with the first rack story, not the pre-rack time on the farm. So I walk into this, stage. dad says, there's this room I'm going to take you to called Elsie's pool room. And I didn't know what Elsie's pool room was, I didn't even know what a pool table was because I'd never seen one. So I walk into this room and there's these machines there and they're, they don't look like tractors. And I said, and so Elsie takes over and she says, these are pool tables and I'm going to teach you all about these. So when dad took me on that Saturday night, he would drop me off at the pool hall. And uh, he would go on down to the local pub there and meet with his war buddies because he was in World War II. So he would talk to them. And so it was a matter of every Saturday night we'd do that. And Elsie then equipped me on something very special in my life that became the foundation of billiards for me that eventually would transition over into and keep the foundation of the spiritual end. I didn't know it at that time because I wasn't a Christian yet, but Elsie was uh, teaching me about the sight and sound of the balls. It wasn't about the winning or the losing. It wasn't about making or missing balls. It was about simply rolling the balls and enjoying the colors of the rainbow and listening to the sound of them clicking together. So that became something in my life that I attached to. I attached to the sight and sound of the colors of the balls. It was just magnetic, and everybody likes birds chirping, so when you hit one ball to another, it sounds like birds chirping. And everybody likes the rainbow, so the rainbow became the colors. And actually, it's Roy G. Bibb. If you look at the colors on the pool table, it's actually the the name Roy G. Bibb, red, orange, yellow. And you can actually put them out there, and we use that when we share the gospel. So the the point is is that LC equipped me on that foundational level. Again, I wasn't a Christian yet. Then I went into college. Uh, As I got to college, I learned about the dark side of the game Mm because LC wouldn't allow the dark side. There was no gambling, no swearing, no – swinging cues, anything like that, and you were out for the rest of your life, you'd never see Elsie again. And so, and Elsie had a nephew, too, who was helping me learn the game, but it was always about that, quote, joy of what I was watching and not so much of perfecting it as a higher talent, so to speak. So when I went to college, I got to the inter the inter- intercollegiate competition. Again, I wasn't really uh, a Christian, but the point was is that God was revealing to me the dark side of the game so that I would be aware that there is another side. Like in life, there's a there's a side where you have the light of Christ and you have the side of the enemy, and that hmm. darkness. And in, a lot of times it's in deception. It's in it's in a cover, a disguise. Yeah. So, um, I I, miss, I learned some trick shots at college, but I learned the dark side. How you can make a few dollars to pay for, you know, uh, maybe your uh, dorm room fee, or maybe a, you had to go rent a book, or maybe whatever. And I learned how to make some money that way, which was not something else he would have been very proud of. So I then graduated and worked for Brunswick. And we get into the spiritual realm now. Uh, When I went to Brunswick, uh, that would have been in 1973, uh, 1972, I went to Brunswick in Chicago, worked for them in retail sales. And one night, a guy came up to me and asked me if I wanted to play some pool for money. And I, of course, had kind of forgot about Elsie, but because uh, I was in college for five years, I spent five. I always tell people I spent five years as a freshman, and <laughs> and that was that was playing pool and bowling and doing foosball, all the major sports. You know, I wasn't into the minor ones like baseball and basketball and those things. But <laughs> but the bottom line is, the bottom line is I when I was when I was in Brunswick, I said I'd play. Well, about an hour later, he broke my heart on my wallet. Uh, and I thought I could still beat the guy to this day, cause, but when he broke my wallet, I could afford it because I had a job working for Brunswick Corporation. But when someone breaks your heart, it's completely different. There's no way to fill that void of a broken heart unless you have some, something special inside you. So that was uh, kind of an early thing that kind of got me to thinking there's got to be more here because I was really hurting inside. And I got to thinking, well, if I hurt that much, I mean, how much would I hurt somebody else if I took their last dollar from them? Maybe they need that to put food on the table or something. And, the, and then in my mind, I remembered then Elsie words, you know, it's about the sight and the sound. You don't need any negative in this game. So that catapulted me into uh, the, the world of business in 1974 when I worked for Brunswick. I left them from 72 to 74. But then, when I when I, when I 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 left them, I ended up um, went into self-employment, and that's when I became a Christian. Uh, I, I I ended up in Brunswick, being in Chicago, and going to Cleveland. I did a lot of things in Cleveland. I met the pros. I uh, I, I learned different things there. I met my first love. I proposed to a girl, and she refused because I was a pool player. And because she knew had a degree in business management, so I, I kind of rambled on here. But the point was that all these are fitting points to what this is leading up to. The World of Leisure, I went – when I left Brunswick, I went back and worked at a place called the World of Leisure. I opened up a self-employed business. And on, in 1974 to 1979 and in February of 1977, I was working seven days a week, and I had been reading a little bit from the Bible about, you know, resting – at least one day so I took it literally and I went in one morning and I on the way into the shop I had a little cassette and I dedicated my heart to the Lord in this cassette and I've still got that cassette today I still got that in my files and I can listen to myself surrendering to the Lord in the car and then I went into my business partner and said I'm not going to work on Sunday anymore and of course he hit the roof and said yes you are and I said no I'm not and this big argument ensued and eventually he became a pastor
0: <laughs> but <laughs>
1: But but God had a a way of getting him eventually to come on board. And I left. I didn't work on Sundays. I sold uh, the business, my part of it. In 1979, I opened up a pool room called the Diamond Q Recreation Academy. Uh, And that's what I played in my first pro event. I used to hold pro events. And I won won, actually one pro event in 1982 called the Masters Trick Shot Championship because I had learned those trick shots in college. And I competed in one and actually finished in that as a champion. It was the first that ever happened. But then toward the end of 1984, uh, I was falling apart in the business. It was financially in debt. It was a bad time in the economy in the early 80s. Uh, and I just fell apart. And so that's kind of was the point where it stopped at that point. So that's where the, how I kind of got to the point where the sport found me in these different areas and it leads up to the present day, but there's a lot more to this. I'll, I'll kind of let you go on from there.
0: No, that, that, that's great because, you know, just a couple more questions about, you know, this journey that you said you had a tape that you listened to that really made yes. you just take pause and, as you said, t- you know, committed your life to Christ. And, you know, I'm kind of interested. So when did you feel that like, okay, you know, I want to follow God and really pursue what he wants me to do with my life? And you had that right. on the pool table. How did that transition into saying, you know what, I'm going to use the trick shots, I'm going to use the pool table and help other people find God?
1: Well, it was a gradual transition, Walter, um, where I used the pool for ministry. I didn't really know I was going to use it for ministry yet. I, I was doing the joy of the game because I loved the game because of what Elsie's Foundation was. Uh, and even when I had the, the businesses, when I did the Diamond queue, I was always sharing trick shots in the business with joy. I didn't even know joy was a fruit of the Spirit then. And and with the and and so when I here I was sharing the gospel so to speak, uh, you know, with this fruit of the spirit, but I didn't really know it, how to do it properly in a setting where I could be using it, where it would be eventually even be an altar call, you know. And that's when, of course, that transition later. But through that gradual transition, I I I returned to Cleveland. That was part of the journey. I, I had a vision, a 1984 rack vision, which we'll get into a little bit later. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I knew God was. I knew God was up to something in my life then, in that late 1984 period. After I uh, sold the diamond cube by a miraculous set of circumstances, then then it lay dormant for 15 years. In 1999, uh, I had uh, a um, uh, meeting out in Vegas, and I talked to Steve Lillis with Gospel Trickshot Ministries. We shared our, our each of our respective visions we had, him with the Gospel Trickshot and the Rack vision. And in 2000, we came together in Vegas with a booth and sharing the gospel in his booth while I was still doing my secular contracts with the different media, uh, different leagues in the organization. I freelanced with all these different league organizations, and I was had a business that was active. And, but I knew that God was in the business because it had been committed to him. And I knew that God was there, and he was pulling me over to the ministry side. But he allowed that secular attachment with contracts to reach the masses of the harvest, those 50 million pool players. And then they could, while I was sharing over on the secular side, when I would have downtimes, they would go over to the gospel trick shop booth, and I would go over there and help out. And that's when the gospel sharing started to take place. So it was a developing story over time. Uh, and I, during that time, I was all doing it with joy, of course. But uh, I also had read read a book called Halftime, and this book explained, you know, if God equips you in the first part of your life with this billiard connection, and I had been equipped all those years since I was 10 years old, um, what are you going to do with it? It asked the question, what are you going to do with it? So that's when I started to think, and that's when the 2011 uh, Egypt trip came in. So after those Vegas experiences, they still carried on, and other stuff was steep, and I was doing it in limited fashion. But then an opportunity came in 2011 to do it by myself on a trip to Egypt on an outreach. And that was really quite the time when I became, I guess, what you'd call more of an evangelist because every morning they used to tell us, go out and be an evangelist today. I didn't even know how to spell the word then. (laughs) But I I knew that God was equipping me. And then after the Egypt, there was the jungles of Honduras. There was the Middle East with Steve and all these other places where God was taking me. And so that transition from the pool table – in the secular context, which I still do a few of those, but I still am more vocal. And you know, after the Hall of Fame induction, you're allowed to be more vocal, and especially if you've got titles that God allows in your life, and also if you've got gray hair, they'll still listen, and they're not going to kick you out even if you're sharing. You're a little more bold, so <laughs> so that's kind of what happened. But it's all done with joy, and that's the key.
0: Well, I was going to say, is that where playful, play skillfully with a shout of joy came from?
1: Well, actually, that that's basically where, where most of it came from. Yeah, there was a, there was a time, you know, when when I wasn't uh, uh, doing it with a, a biblical connection, but when I read Psalm thirty three three, it talked about that. And and I know that's that's a little bit further down here, but if you get into that playing skill for the shout of joy, it was it was from the seeds planted by Elsie. Hmm. You know, she didn't want she wanted you to play joyfully in that room. Eventually, it became a business mantra when my wife and I were traveling the world. It was God's business, and and then I found out that anybody can play skillfully with a shout of joy, whether it be in a recreational pursuit or it could be even in a business. You know, a plumber can go from pipe to pipe with joy. An electrician can go from wire to wire with joy. Uh, you can even go from uh, – a teacher can go from a student to student, and you know, you can even go from a podcast to podcast with joy, Walter.
0: Amen. Yeah, you're right. So,
1: so, so that's the key—is that place goes out of joy. It started probably in that time, in that transition time. I've always had the joy, and eventually, the place goes out of joy came to fruition. You know, in those outreach ministry times and stuff, and Psalm thirty-three 3 became very dear to me.
0: Yeah. So, Tom, you know, you obviously are playing with joy from joy to joy, and you've transitioned to this point now of knowing that you can use these skills to to really, you know, advance God's kingdom but let's delve more into how you use the sport of pool and, and the ways that really detail, um, pe- to two people, how, Hey, this is what the gospel is like. This is how your life can be changed and maybe kind of go more into, you know, the scenario of how you, you know, really developed um, lessons with the pool table, which sure. translates into the gospel.
1: Absolutely. I'll be glad to share that with you. The, um, You know, when you transition in life, like I explained those different stages in life when I was transitioning from the secular pool table over to the ministry through those different events. Um, If you take the game of pool in itself, you transition from shot to shot on a pool table, from rack to rack, from game to game, from match to match. Uh, It's a gradual learning process. It's a progression on the table, but it's also progression just like in life where, you know, some shots are uh, hard and some are easy. Some things in life are hard and some are easy. But you're always evolving, and and everything's always different. So it's just like life. God equips you from one level to another, from glory to glory, so to speak. In other words, He's always there to help you with the Holy Spirit leading you step by step. And 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 in in how that was used on the pool table, uh, there was a process that God had given me with the trick shots where uh, I used what I call a reverse concept, Walter. It's uh it's it's where you uh take the game of pool whereas professional players uh they have to make balls to be happy to Hmm. have even joy even though they're two different things happy is circumstantial and joy even when you lose you can still have joy even if you lose on paper and 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 you're not going to be very happy though so the point is is that by using a reverse concept that's how god allowed me to apply this on the pool table and so the missing and losing that's literal to me, are in disguise. In other words, Hmm. I use principles like a a, a miss is a make in disguise because if you look at the higher in the spiritual realm, we have defined pool in in our human limited senses. We've limited ourselves to defining a miss as a ball when it doesn't go in the pocket. And, And God's realm, how do we know that a miss isn't when it stays on the table or somewhere and it flies off the table and lands over in the corner somewhere? Maybe that's actually a make, and that's what God wants us to reveal to us and not it disappearing off the surface of the table, where now it's kind of sad because it disappeared. And so God was showing me that there's joy in the mist because it's a make in disguise if you perceive it differently. And he started to teach me how to take these balls that are actually on the table yet when you're shooting a shot – in fact, one time we were at a youth camp and a ball went off the table. It rolled all the way across this creaky old floor. And there's like 150 or 200 kids there. And they get up and they're watching this ball and they were going to pick it up. And I said, no, let's just watch it roll. And it keeps rolling across the floor. And finally it came to a, finally come to a stop. And I said, amazing. Look where that stopped. It stopped right there. Then I asked him, I said, how big is the creation? How big is God's creation? They said, oh, it's pretty big. I said, well, how big do you think it is? Well, it's infinite. And so I said, and think about where that ball's at. In the infinite expanse of creation, the ball stopped right there. And then I looked up at them and I said, and look where you stopped right now. You stopped right where you're at. And God had you stop here for a reason to listen to the message. So hmm. a lot of times those misses where the ball stops are simply stopping points in life where God wants to teach you a lesson in life about that. Just like when you lose. I haven't lost, Walter. In, in one of those uh, early bio points, I haven't lost in 30 years uh, because every time I lose, I win in my heart. So if you look at, if, you, if because when you have Jesus, you're winning in your heart. So the point is, even if you, if I'm playing you, let's say as a pool player, in the in the human realm, let's say, the player beats me on paper. And I said, well, that was a great match. I'm glad we both won. Now they're going to look at me a little bit strange. <laughs> and, gonna, and, and I'm going to say, well, you know, you want on paper, but I want in my heart. And by the way, I said, at the least, it's a tie. And I said, and I said, and I said, actually, if you look at it really good, the score on paper and the, the score in your heart, heart always trumps paper. And so, uh-huh. and, and I said, and paper and scissors cuts paper. So I get into the rock, <laughs> I get into a little humor there. <laughs> so the point is, is that it's all in how you look at it, Walter. So um, to the viewers, I want to encourage people to don't look at the misses in life and the problems in life and the losses in life. I know it's, those are the human reasoning of the mind, but you know it's interesting how God gave us 10% of our mind use. And I always mm-hmm. thought about it. What if he gave us all the – now, we have the whole power of the Holy Spirit when we have Christ. But the point is, how do we operate with, 10, with 10% brain usage in a human realm if we have 100% of the power of the Holy Spirit and God in us? And I didn't know that until about my last trip to New Jersey to visit Steve. Um, And a guy came up, and he says, well, God allows you to use his power with gentleness. It's the fruit of the Spirit. So Mm -hmm. he takes our 10%, which was self-destruct if we use the full 100% power of the Holy Spirit, where you can heal and cure and all that stuff that God can do through you. That would help. That would make us self-destruct. We couldn't control it. But God allows, and he kind of does it like with a, a governor on an engine. He does it with gentleness. He allows us just the right amount at the right time to get the job done. So in all those situations, you know, even if you look at these things that are literally happening in life, the misses and the losses and the problems, their makes in disguise and their wins in disguise and their they're, they're, they're solutions in disguise, if you look at it spiritually. Uh, in fact, even when Jesus died on the cross, that was a terrible thing. And it was it was looked like, oh man, it's over now. Even even everybody that when he died is oh, we lost him, he's gone. But then it was a victory in disguise because of the resurrection.
0: Hmm.
1: So you see, even in his death there was a something beautifully in disguise. It was his beautiful resurrection so that we might live. And so God uses and, and there's a I really love the verse in the Bible about God uses the mysterious or foolish things in the world to confound the wise. And so we have to use Joy in the process to take in Christ, use his joy, and use his mysterious things that he wants us to tap into. Very similar to the table trotter technique on the pool table that God's given me. It's like the globe trotters in basketball. Mm-hmm. They're, whether they're on or off the table, they're missing baskets and getting paid for it. And God gave my wife and I a career for 30 years on the road of missing shots and getting paid for it. Can you imagine? So we and that's, and they actually put me in the hall of fame. I think it was about the joy. And yes, there was a movement called artistic pool was founded, but I believe they put me in and God allowed that to happen because of the misses that happened because I would never experience the joys because of those misses and the losses, because God taught me a spiritual principle. So it's the fruit of the spirit that was involved in the whole thing. And because of that, People would laugh even when I would miss, and it wasn't even supposed to be funny in a pool world, but they'd laugh anyway. So that's really the key is whatever you deal with in life, give it to God, and let the Holy Spirit, that joy that you have in him and that power you have in him and that provision you have in him to make those things positive in your life. And the journey is going to be a little bit easier that way because we've got the power. We
0: just have to tap into it. That, that was just fantastic, Tom. Um, and I think that's what a lot of people obviously struggle with because no one wants to lose. No one wants to feel like they're totally lost. Um, and it's, you know, it's really a a tough time for people to see that, but I hope that what you just shared really, uh, inspires people because, you know, this journey is, it's never easy. You know, the mountains and the valleys, highs and lows, Mm -hmm. um, And it's hard to see past. Um, It could be fear. It could be pain. It could be anxiety. Um, There's a lot of things that really block us from really seeing how God is um, using us. And, yeah, trying to use the fruits of the Spirit, you know, joy, peace, love, and all that, and understanding. And um, we have to remember that we have all these weapons uh, and everything that God has provided for us to get through this. And that's why I'm hoping now at this point, you know, where were you when you needed to find more of that joy or peace or any other fruits of the spirit to really get over, you know, a certain point that you were really seeking God. Sure.
1: Well, you know, it happened back. I mentioned the diamond cue early mm-hmm. and that was a dream of my life always to have a pool. room. I think every pool player always wanted to have their own pool. room. So here's the diamond cue comes along in 1979 and I go through it and it's doing really well for the first couple of years. And then boom, the economy goes south. And uh, I lose the customers, and I'm going deeper in debt, and I had 50 bucks in a checkbook one night, and I couldn't pay $3,000 of of bills. So I, re- I remembered from reading in the Bible before that, uh, you know, I, I I was basically a Christian then, so I remembered something about, uh, I hadn't, I, I was falling backward, but I still knew, because I was a Christian, I knew about the Bible, and every once in a while I'd pick it out and read something. Didn't really study it, I just kind of read the words and. So I, I read the word about in Malachi about Prove Me, about finances and things. And mm. so I took the $50, and I said, well, I'm not going to pay $3,000 of the bills with the $50. So I gave it to a, a mission in Decatur where I had the pool room. And, you know, it's funny, Walter. For the next two years, I was able financially to make it and pay the rent. And I was able to do things that God, you know, has an infinite storehouse. And I believed when I gave that money. I believe that God could transform it into a hundredfold even though I didn't do it for the purpose of getting I gave it for the I gave it because I wanted to give you know the principle of sowing and reaping is interesting we sow and we get to reap but that's not the end of the story if we reap only the hoard and the hang on to it then it's still that's not a good principle we we reap we reap we sow and we reap but then why do we do that so we can sow again and it's one constant sowing. That's why you see farmers; they sow and they reap and they sow and they do it year after year after year after year. And we do it every time we have to take what God gives us a blessing and we have to give it back. And I remember Colgate could never outgive God, and the whole company was ninety percent was God's, giving it back financially. And Colgate became one of the most strong, powerful companies in the world. You know, and so these were these were elements of learning. And in the diamond queue, I was able to make it through that. All of a sudden, a check would come in from somebody that owed me money. I sold a pool table I had in storage somewhere, and all these things were taking place, and they were miraculous things that were happening. But in in 1984, in that in that November of 84, after the five year lease was ending, I didn't want, to, of course, I couldn't renew, and I was about fifteen thousand in debt, but I was still making these payments, you know. And so, I ended up, you know financially, emotionally, physically, mentally depressed. I was broke basically inside in all those different ways. And that was my breaking point. So I, I, I said, Lord, I said, I need your help. I said, I, I, I've not been looking to you as I should, and I need your help. So, you know, a guy walks in the store about a week before it shuts down because I was going to have to shut it down and get jobs and stuff and pay the bill, pay the different bills I owed. And this guy walks in and he says, you know, he says, I think I can run this better than you. And I looked at him and I said, well, I think we need to talk. Well, $11,000 later, he, he gave me what I had less than the, I had in the business, you know. Wow. I gave him the key and I walked out of the building with one picture off the wall. And two days later, a tornado took the roof off the building. And it, it was an amazing thing. It was, oh, I, I get goosebumps just thinking about this, but God had protected me. Mm. From an amazing situation, this guy eventually had to move the business, and about two years later, he had eventually folded what he could salvage. He couldn't salvage hardly any of the tables or anything, but he moved it out, and he actually did it for his son who was in a wheelchair, and, mm-hmm. and they, it ended up devastating them. It was a sad story, and, but the bottom line is, is God, again, was pr- provincially, he was protecting my walk, uh, and it was because I that he would watch over his child. And so he you have to even when you don't see it you have to just reach out in prayer and in, and and say cry out to God. So now here it is. After the you know I'd sold it I walked out and I went I was living in a little downstairs basement apartment. And and one night I woke up and I jumped out of bed and I jumped in 3 inches of water it had flooded on me. Mm. And so now I was in a pretty rough spot because I only was paying like 90 bucks a month for this place. And it was down below water level, obviously. And it rained so hard, the walls started seeping the water in. And now I'm really – I don't have any money. I don't have any job. Uh, I had a little TV set up out of the water so I could watch the TV. And so I'm pretty much down and depressed and out of things. And – I, I watched a show on TV called The PTL Club. You probably remember that, Jim Baker. Jim mm, yeah. And, you know, eventually that that shut down. But but what was interesting was I was watching TV one night, and I said that God was speaking to me. And it, even though it was Jim Baker, I didn't believe it was Jim Baker that was speaking. It was God through Jim Baker. Cause, uh, and he says, you know, we had this thing called Heritage USA, and almost everybody remembers this, where – you know, you could go for three nights and four days at Beautiful Heritage USA. And, you know, if you pledge thousand dollars. Now, I didn't have any money except I had a charge card with thousand dollars left on it. And I went ahead and pledged a thousand bucks. But I believe that when I gave the money, I gave it to God, and I believe it's like a set of railroad tracks. When you give the money, I gave it to God with my heart. I didn't give it to Jim Baker in the ministry to get this thing, even though later this came into the, the story where we actually – my wife and I were able to use it on the road before it shut the whole place down. So that was another blessing that came in later that God provided that, and it was used later in our ministry when we needed three places – we needed some places to stay one night on the road, and we happened to be in North Carolina South Carolina region. But the point is when I gave that money, I believe the money, the money went down a set of railroad tracks. And if you're giving it with the heart for the Lord, the money shifts, switches over to God. But if you give it because Jim Baker said you get three nights and three in the, in the place, then it, it shifts over to the wrong side, and it just becomes as filthy rags. Hmm. So that's what happened. I, I was giving it, and you have to go to the Lord in obedience to him and give that it's his to begin with. We're just watching over it, and that's where there's all the stewardship came with rag vision. And so when I did that, some amazing things started to happen. I got a part-time job. Well, first of all, I thought that I, money was going to grow in a tree down in this downstairs basement apartment. So I wait for this money to come floating out of the ceiling, but, but it didn't happen. So I find out you got to, as I'm reading now from the Bible more, you got to take one step after another. And you've got to go out there and work, do something. He's not just going to give it to you. So – I went out and got $4 an hour jobs. I started to pay some bills I had, and I was delivering food to the high schools and blood to the hospitals and stuff like that with Pure Letter Courier and different delivery services. And then this whole thing transitioned into I was just still not feeling right. I wasn't in turn, so I was really down. So I cried out one night to God again. I said, God, I'm your child. You promised I would help. You would help us and I don't know where to turn. I need your help. And I looked over next to my bedside and there was a Bible. I opened it up and there was a note inside the Bible from 10 years before. This was 1984 when this happened. In 1974, I was in Cleveland. You remember I said I was in Cleveland during that transition period. And I had proposed to a girl and she refused me. Well, in this Bible, there was a note from the girl I ref- who had refused my proposal in 1974. And I'm thinking, you know what, I loved her and she loved me and we got along great and I'm feeling really bad here so I'm going to call her so I called her, got her on the phone she worked at a big company up in Cleveland they say she turned white as a ghost in the office because she hadn't heard from me in 10 years and, and, and so you know it ended up that we talked and I went back to Cleveland, Ohio here 10 years later and I re-proposed and she refused for a second time oh huh because I was still a pool player. So God was protecting me, in a sense, from going in into that route. And three days later, Marty, my current wife, Miss Miscu, comes in. We started meeting and dating, and eventually we get married in 1986, two years later. The point is, God intervened in that, and during that process of going back to Cleveland, Ohio, that's when the story starts to really turn around. And from that down in that breaking point of the diamond queue and that breaking point in that downstairs basement apartment, now the breaking point is starting to come through, and I can see the light of light. What's happening? What God's starting to do? So I'll be glad to share that with you now. If you'd like to hear that story,
0: yeah, I mean that's what we that's what we really pray for and seek when we want, Lord. You know, how can we um, overcome this hurdle? And that's what makes it so amazing, where this amazing yes. breakthrough comes and really releases. Oh, yeah the wisdom and releases the, the power of God. And so what was that for you, Tom? I'd like to know kind of God said, I'm breaking through for you, Tom, and making this your path for you.
1: Well, this is absolutely amazing. This is nothing short of a miracle. I, I, when I, when I went back to visit Dawn was her name in Cleveland, uh, we, we basically, I reproposed, she refused, you know, cause I was still a pool player, but, but, we decided to go to a church on one Sunday morning, right? She lived in an apartment, and we went to this little church behind. It was a little Lutheran church. And right in the middle of the service, the pastor looks out over the parishioners, and he points his finger right at me, and he says, don't be a dead Lutheran rock. <laughs> now, you've got to keep in mind, Walter, I'm not a Lutheran. I'm not really anything at that time. He said, I'm a Christian. I, I knew I was a Christian, but I didn't belong to anything. But I was a rock sinking fast. So he had part of it right. I was a rock sinking fast. And and so don't be a dead Lutheran rock. And because I was sinking, then I knew I was supposed to leave when Don refused the proposal. So I left. I left that meeting with Don. We gave our final hug, and I went outside of Cleveland, Ohio. I was driving down the interstate, and I was crying harder inside the car than I was inside than I was. It was outside. It was raining like crazy outside, but I was. My tears were raining harder inside the car, and I, I just had to pull over. So I pulled over, and, of course, first of all, Dawn thought I was having a nervous breakdown, so when I got outside the Cleveland, I just let it go. And I pulled over, breaking down, and I don't remember the trip home, but I was doing the full recommission, resurrender surrender to God on that side of that interstate in Cleveland, Ohio. I drove seven hours home, don't remember the drive home. The next day I go to... My friend, my very closest friend who died of brain cancer 15 years ago, and I told him about this story in Cleveland where I had felt like I was having a nervous breakdown, but it wasn't. It was simply a rededication, and God was cleansing me. He was filling me anew. And so I told Dave – we were 38 years best friends from from college days all the way through Brunswick and all these other different things – and I said, you know, Dave. I said, this is the story. And he said, Well, if you're not, if you weren't my best friend, I'd probably have you committed right now. That's how crazy he heard the story was. <laughs> and so I said, No, I'll be okay, Dave. So I drive now. This is where it gets into. I come out of his drive. I pull onto Route Highway 128 south of Decatur, Illinois, where I had the Diamond Q, and you know, it had been closed down, but but it had been the tornado took over. But the point was, I pulled on the road, and in the windshield of the car. There was a triangle, like a rack that you rack the balls with. And instead of being pool balls in it, and the eight ball being in the center, in the center of the rack was a cross. Hmm. And it was a manifestation. I had never, I had heard about manifestations, but this was literal to me. It was, it was not something I was hallucinating on. I knew God was really speaking to me. Now and He revealed this vision called the rack vision. Now I didn't know what it exactly was, but I, but I, so I went 30 miles. I don't remember this trip to Decatur. It was 30 miles back from Dave's place. And I got, I had a little royal portable typewriter, and I said, God, show me what this is. I need to know because you're speaking to me here about something in my life and about what you want to do for the pool world. So if you go, it's actually on my website, the mm-hmm. If you go under the outreach ministry section, it talks about the rack vision, and it's the whole rack vision that God had me, he typed through my hands this vision on the Royal Porter Typewriter, and eventually it ended up online over time. But I carried it with me for years just in a two-page handout, and I used to give it out to people. And, of course, that whole time was an amazing time because the vision was, – it was a stewardship vision for the beard industry. And, of course, I always wept over the beard industry, Walter, when I saw players gambling and cussing, and it was something about me. God had given me a heart of compassion. And he said, you know, I'm going to take you. It was kind of like Moses. He had that compassion for his children, and God used him to be the one to take him out of Egypt. And there was something going on where I think even now I still weep over the billiard industry about how it's lost because the idol of the billiard industry for so many is still the idol is the pool table. In other words, God says has no idols before me, So, but the billiard industry – has this situation. And Iraq vision was about Hebrews eleven six. He's rewarded those who diligently seek him. Mm. And God's not going to reward you if you don't seek him first. So how's the beard industry? Why is it at the lowest ebb of all sports? And why has it always been negative? Because nobody ever really sought him in the beard industry. There were a few, but not on a major level, to change the hearts of those 50 million pool players. So God was using – he wanted to free the captives. I realized that. He was trying to free the captives in the beard industry with this vision. And so that's the vision. Then in, in, this, I went out gung-ho and tried to promote the vision. I took out a, add a, a little circle like a pool ball on one of the bird industry magazines, and it said the simple solution to your pool game and, an, and a number. And people would start calling me because every pool player wants to know how to get a better game, right, Walter, especially right. if it's simple. So they would call, and I'd say, well, the simple solution to your game is it's about God, and what you can do for your game. Click. It's about <laughs> God. Click. And 400 phone calls later, one guy doesn't click. And this guy happens to be a little Jewish guy. His name is Homer from Cleveland, Ohio. Hello. <laughs> and he says, can you come to Cleveland, Ohio? And he didn't know I'd already been there. Twice. <laughs> Can you catch so Cleveland is pulling me back again the third time. So I go back to Cle, He says, I said, well, that's, he, I said, well, why don't you want to know about this thing? He says, well, I need to tell you about what happened. So I get in my car. and I go back to Cleveland, Ohio <laughs> and I meet Homer and Homer's got this antique pool table in his basement. I love antique tables. He used to work for the Rockefellers in Cleveland as a wallpaper guy. And instead of getting paid, he, Rockefellers gave him their custom antique, I mean $20,000 pool table and he put it in his basement, Homer did. And so here I am in Homer's house staying, st- sleeping in his, one of his spare bedrooms playing pool with him and we're talking about the rack vision and I said, why do you want to know about the rack vision? He said, well he says, I was dying of cancer several years before this and he said he had an angel come to his bedside one night and he said that in eternity past that now imagine this, this guy's a Jewish guy, but God can give a vision to anybody. You know, he can if he can have a donkey speak, he can give a vision to anybody. And and of course, we are, our boss is a Jewish carpenter, so I'm listening really close here. And so the bottom line is he says that this angel told him that in eternity past, the angels had some free time on their hands. So God says, go over and play spiritual basketball and spiritual pocket billiards. Hmm. Now I'm thinking to myself, this was a spiritual vision about pocket billiards, and he's talking about spiritual billiards that an angel told him about of eternity past. And basketball and uh, pool are two of the greatest witness tools being used in ministry today in the sports realm, Hmm. and they're used in all the major countries of the world except for a couple. So God has used these tools to get to places you could never get into with anything else. You couldn't even go in on a full-fledged church, go in to a country like the Middle East, some of these countries, or go into places we've been to, Steve and I, unless you had billiards is the universal language, or basketball is the universal language, now people will listen to the joy and the message of the cross. So God used this, this situation to, um, to reach out. He's using Iraq Vision to reach out with, and so, And, you know, it even says in the Bible, you know, if, you know where there's no vision, the people perish. In the beard industry, you've got a great harvest of 50 million people that nobody's ever going to reach. So how is God going to reach it with few laborers? And there's only a few that reach it today, but the point is, is that it's becoming very powerful because of what's happened with the rack vision and the gospel trick shop ministry. So it is so exciting to see people get the joy in the beard industry, and then they get that freedom in their life because of accepting Christ as their Lord and Savior. It's amazing. So that breakthrough with God happened, and, and that's exactly what happened with it with the rack vision. And then later in 2004, there was a rack room enhancement, and at the present day, that's being used now. We'll get into that later, but it yeah, gets yeah. into how, how the future is being used now in a whole new way because of the coronavirus, by the way. So we can get that, but that was basically the breakthrough moment Uh, What happened and it's an amazing story and And I just You know but that dormancy for all those years For it God was It was in dormancy Because that one guy listened But then all the other things I tried didn't work So God had to equip me on an understanding Of my spiritual journey myself I wasn't equipped to handle the vision yet So for all that time I was encouraged by Homer with his vision And I was encouraged by a few other people but I had to lay in the desert for for almost 15 years before I was ready to accept and go forward with the vision. And then I met in 1999, Steve Lillis, and I talked on the phone with God. And that's when the division was prepared. And Steve was, of course, was being equipping during that whole time himself in his ministry. He was being growing from glory to glory. So yeah. the two of us come together, and we talked about the two visions. And that's when they came together in 2000 with the booths that I talked about earlier and how we were sharing the booths and I was doing the secular contracts but I was still doing subtle witness even in my secular booth you know and I and so this all came together through that after that dormancy like the kids in the desert before they got to the promised land and now that promised land is being touched by this this vision and and the the gospel Church shop ministry so that's the exciting part of the journey I wanted to share with you all It's just amazing God can do that with anybody but you have to Lay it at his feet and pray. And, and he will do things you don't understand. But that's what he loves. He does that best before. You got to expect the unexpected. God is the master of irony. When we think it's coincidence, he's the master of irony.
0: That is tremendous. No, thank you so much, Tom. I think you're right. It's, it's such an uplifting story. And, you know, especially now, because as you mentioned, the dormancy and you're traveling 15 plus years to the desert of, of your own kind, you know, you had over 400 calls and clicks. You know, kind of. I feel like a lot of us are possibly going through that right now. You know, especially with the coronavirus, yes. like looking for work, out of work, you're in and out of the hospital. You know, so I mean, I want to really encourage people, and I think that story definitely set the table for us. Um, but Tom, I mean, if you can just kind of give another, you know, example, or not example, but just, you know, how can you tell people now that are dealing with this 400 calls and hang-ups hangups? situations they may be in to say, look, you got to keep making those calls because one will eventually stick like Homer did. Right. Yeah. Yes,
1: that's right. That's right. Well, yeah, I, you know, it's an, it was an amazing feeling to know that God was lifting me up in that journey. Uh, and it would, it would be an amazing feel for anybody, especially when you, you get down so low, you know, you feel like you have nowhere to turn. So the, the idea of getting lifting up gives you at least the hope and the dream to see how God would eventually direct your steps as you go from rack to rack, or pipe to pipe or podcast mm-hmm. to podcast, and, and so I just would like to encourage people to keep in mind that we're kind of like branches on a tree swaying to and fro. I was reading something the other day from our, our daily bread, and you know, it, it talked about how people were, we, we sway as branches swinging to and fro. But if we stay focused on the foundation of the message of the cross and what Jesus did for us at the cross, you know, when Peter was in the booth, was, it, was in the boat, when Peter was in that boat. And Jesus was on the water. Peter got out of the boat. He focused on Jesus, and he walked on the water. Then he took his eyes off Jesus. He started mm-hmm. to sink. So the bottom line is if we stay focused on Jesus uh, by what he did for us at the cross, he took care of every pain, every suffering, every, everything we've ever had an issue with. Every time you have a downtime in your life, he already took that downtime to the cross. Every time you have something painful in a sickness, an illness, he already took those to the cross. Every time you have somebody beat up on you, they they, they, they cut you down, they persecute you, he took those persecutions to the cross. Everything possible that's happening to you in your life right now, even if you've lost someone in your life, even if you have somebody in pain or sickness or you're losing a loved one or someone has dementia, let's say, whatever it might be, Jesus took those things to the cross, and if we stay focused on what Jesus did on the cross to... To remove those things, even our – he took our sins and removed them, guaranteed that they were removed. But we have to come to him and say, fill me anew, Lord. I accept what you did on the cross for me. You died for me. And then when we stay focused on him like Peter did, the Holy Spirit will keep us on the water. He'll help us walk on that water. If you take your eyes off of Jesus, it's like a 24-7 job, so to speak, but it's not really (laughs) a job because there's joy in the journey and you say, Well, how do I do that twenty four? How do I keep an eye on it? listen, you pray, you read the word, you talk and you fellowship with others. By doing those things, we can stay in the moment, so to speak, of the spiritual walk. And by doing that, then the Holy Spirit has latitude to work. The Holy Spirit really can't work in your life because that's really where everything happens. Your Holy Spirit's inside you. He lives in you. When Jesus went back to heaven to be at the right hand of the Father, he left the comforter with us. He left the Holy Spirit in our hearts. And that Holy Spirit is in us and has that same power Jesus had. And therefore, the Holy Spirit, God, can work through you with the same power and even more than what Jesus did. He said that. And so if we focus on Jesus, what he did for us, then the Holy Spirit has latitude to work. And you may not – actually, I believe you can literally walk on water, but the point is – the Holy Spirit, I've seen so many miracles happen in our journeys of ministry. The Holy Spirit was always there when we prayed and stayed focused on that cross message. Jesus, help me. Jesus, we know you're there. Whatever my derail is, you pray that He would help you. Even David Wilkerson, he was talking about how even in the times such as we are today, the great David Wilkerson, he said. Five main words, God has everything under control. Hmm. So even when it looks like our comfort zone of life is twisted and turned upside down, God can turn it right side up in ironic ways because he is truly the master of irony. So I want to encourage people with that
0: message. Amen. That was beautifully said, Tom. Thank you so much. uh, Oh, you're welcome. And I really hope everyone is encouraged by that listening because, you know, we all need that to get through where we are. And we also get to places because of other people, you know. There, there are guiding lights that really help us uh, when we need it because God never really intended for us to be on this earth alone. So, Tom, I'm hoping at this point maybe if there's – you could highlight a person or persons if there is um, someone in your life that you can always count on and kind of had your back and said, you know, was always there to help you when you needed it. Well, have you got an hour? (laughs) We should have a part two of our podcast.
1: (laughs) Okay, well, let me put it this way. There are a couple of key people. Number one is I had a friend I met back when I had the Diamond Q days. His name was Jeff Wright, and he's a dear friend of mine that we shared a lot of uh, concepts from the Bible together. He wasn't really during those days. I was a Christian. I'm not sure at that time if he was a Christian, but I do know that he always listened to me. And we shared. Well, today, he is a chaplain for hospitals. He is sharing a James Code devotional every day to us by email. Uh, he's a dear friend of mine. That when I was going through the trials at the Diamond Q, he was always there, picking me up and lifting me up and encouraging me. And he can. And it continues to present day. Even today, we talk on the phone and we're lifting each other up. And is is you know, I, I mentioned uh, just in our casual conversation before we started this podcast, my dad lived to be a hundred plus seven months. Jeff's dad is over 90 years old now, and he just had a major heart uh, surgery, uh, and he's in great health. God made help him through it. He's, God is blessing his father, his mother. He's blessing Jeff. Do Jeff is focused on that Jesus message by reaching out and helping other people. You see, mm-hmm. that's another way to do that. You reach out and help other people. So Jeff is a is a blueprint, kind of a, a, a semblance or a catalyst you can look at and say, Jeff reaches out to people, and he's reach he reaches out whenever you need help. And he always was. He's always got time to reach out to me when we need help, and even if we don't need help, just reach out in phone calls. Of course, the diamond queue was before I met Marty, and mm. Dawn and Cleveland refused my second proposal. So when when uh, when she refused two years later. Marty and I got married, and marty 's name is miss q i 'm dr q and g 's miss q and and so Marty, as of course, says, my wife is the, the main now rock that holds me up. so I always mentioned about the Hall of Fame induction when I did that mm-hmm. speech, it was more of a it was more of a preaching sermon is what it was I did a they, it was They brought in all the former hall of famers There was thirty one they brought in twenty some could make it They had a packed house, and God had here 's your moment to share your life. And what I'm sharing with you, Walter, a lot of that was shared during that secular, uh, that event. And the industry was sent, they've been sent parachutes, they've been sent boats, they've been sent helicopters, and they were finally sent this message. Just one more message for people to listen. And we even had Bible studies that were announced on the, at the, at the uh, dios there. Mm-hmm. But all these former Hall of Famers are listening to this, and God brought everybody together. And I mentioned it was, I think, for a time such as this, God, it was exact. People say, well, it should have happened before. No, it was God's exact timing. In fact, what was interesting was from from the time of 1984 when the vision took place to 2017, it was 33 years, right? 33 years that God and Jesus walked the earth for 33 years. It was exactly Mm. the right timing. I don't put a lot into numbers, but I do know there was, and I mentioned that. I said that we had a guy walk the earth for 33 years. I said, and I was basically preaching. Steve was there, and I had like 20 or 30 of my dear Christians, brothers, and sisters on the top front two tables. And Marty was there. And during that presentation, besides obviously the glory to God, when they said about, you know, this is a great honor, I said, I think they should have inducted Miss Q with me because she deserved an equal rating with that Hall of Fame induction because with. She was, see, Walter, I didn't mention this in one of my points to you ahead of time, but she was the wheel and deal of the whole thing. Miss Q would drive 90% of the time, and she would book the shows. So Mm. she was wheel and deal. And I was Dr. Q, and I was show and tell because I would do the books of the company. I have a business degree, and I would do the shows, so I was show and tell, and I did the books of the company. So therefore, we had show and tell and wheel and deal in God's business going down this life journey and god used it miraculously to touch hundreds of thousands of lives all over the world and this is aside from even the ministry that i'm in now where it became full-fledged ministry so that was the equipping point and so marty was vital so she's that rock Mm -hmm. that holds me up that i needed so much and jeff i think was the initial rock Marty came in, and then of course I have a lot of other people I won't get into. But you know, I had a good friend Steve Geller who started the uh, Hall of Fame thing uh, induction. Debra Robledo, she started the process. Got 34 industry sponsors behind it. Of course, my brother Steve Lillis with Gospel Church Ministry. You've done a podcast yeah. with him. Uh, Victor Connie, who's another dear friend in the billiard, the pool world, who has uh, one of the most recognized guys for doing pool table work. And he had a pool room that was like family. We stayed with him. And there's just so many more, Walter. But I think primarily Jeff and Marty and then these other interviews I've mentioned. You know, I could go on and on, but I won't. I just wanted to share
0: those with you primarily <laughs> right now. i can no. tell you how
1: much everybody's got people that will stand behind them, Walter.
0: Amen. You know, and it's like um, something that people really should kind of look out for and not – I don't want to say be afraid of because – I know people may have agendas, but when there are fellow brothers or sisters in the Lord, it's amazing when you can really open up and connect with these people. And the kinship that grows and the community that grows, you can see amazing things happen. And for Jeff and for Marty, um, thank you uh, to them uh, for having you, uh, supporting you, and really being able to be where you are uh, in your life. And I I thank you so much for that. Um, And you are listening to the Majestic World Podcast. Joining me today is Tom, Dr. Q Rossman, tremendous man of God who uses his masterful skills of exciting trick shots to minister the gospel of Christ. You know, we're having a great discussion. Tom has shared so much of how the Lord has really impacted his life um, from the lows into the highs. But now, just as God appeared to Moses at the burning bush, it's time now for burning questions for Tom. Are you ready? (laughs) I'm
1: ready for the burning
0: questions. (laughs) All right, this will be fun, a little rapid fire. Uh, so, if, Tom, the first one, is there a place around the world that you'd want to visit? It could be a place you've been or not been, but pro- preferably one that you haven't been to that you'd like to have the opportunity to go to. Well, that's
1: a really easy one to answer. I've been to seven continents. I've got an eighth <laughs> one left called Antarctica. <laughs> now, now I better, I better clarify that because some people think that I've lost my rocker when I say seven, eight continents, yeah. but if you go to Google and click in continents of the world a couple years ago these scientists found out that antarctica uh that you had new zealand and Mm -hmm. australia in that Oceania continent but they they've taken new zealand and they found out it was a continent within itself now it's called zealandia so Mm -hmm. zealandia and australia which is part of the uh continent uh there Right. So so there you, you picked up an extra continent with Zealandia instead of being part of that Oceania. Now, it's interesting because Antarctica is the only place in the world I haven't been to as far as continents concerned, and they have a pool table at the base, <laughs> and they need to hear the gospel there I'm sure as well. And so I want to go share the gospel in Antarctica, which would be the only time in the Billiard's history where the gospel has been shared on all eight continents. And God wants to reach, he said, to the ends of the earth, and Antarctica mm-hmm. is about as far to the end of the earth as you can get.
0: Yeah, there are people there, and, and there's opportunity to do so, yeah. yeah. And, okay. and by
1: the way, the penguins are dressed for the occasion. They're ready to go. <laughs> so I'm excited. that and I've got several people working on it, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take cue and, and Bible in hand, and I'm going to go to Antarctica when God opens that door.
0: That'll be fantastic. And that's all about timing because I know certain flights only go when the weather is right and the conditions are right. So I'm praying for the ideal situation for you guys. That'd be fantastic. Well, the flights
1: would be okay, but you know, if maybe I can just walk on the water getting down there. Who knows?
0: <laughs> maybe, maybe. God will make a way,
1: Walter. Some God will make a way, Walter, one way he, or the other.
0: He will. I believe that. Amen. <laughs> if you could play around a pool uh, with anyone from any time or even current where we are, uh, who would it be and why? Well, that one's really easy. I want to play a game with Jesus. Okay.
1: I want I want to see <laughs> if when we're playing, if God is if if Jesus is only focused about the sight and sound and not the makes and the misses and the wins and the losses. Because I want to see if that Elsie foundation, which I've seen in my life as proof that that is where it's at, the joy of the Lord. But I want to see if Jesus playing. And that joy of the Lord with Jesus playing, that fruit of the Spirit, that God person, that divine nature, is confirming exactly what I've experienced in my life. I feel like that's where it's at, but I just think it would be so neat to see me play a game of pool, to not see me, play, but to be able to play a game of pool with Jesus. And we're just going along, and we're never, we're never missing or making. We're just going through the motions of watching balls roll. We're listening to the birds chirping. And I think that would be so great because he said, this is part of my creation. Don't you love it? And he has <laughs> nothing to do with winning or losing or making or whatever, missing or making.
0: <laughs> that's awesome. That would be, so yeah, that's that it. Would...
1: It would be Jesus.
0: got it makes sense. No, that's true. Uh, what would your ideal meal be? Well, you, you know, Walter,
1: I, I mentioned uh, you had asked a prelim question. I'll, I'll lead into this one. Yeah. You had mentioned a prelim question. About some favorite foods or something, I'm a foodie or something,
0: right. but right.
1: the point was, and I and I mentioned in that one, I mentioned in that one, it would be chicken, uh-huh. chocolate, right? The three C's. you've heard of the yeah. three P's. I'm talking about the three C's. <laughs> it would be chicken, chocolate, and cream, and oh I'm sorry, ice cream, not cream, okay? <laughs> right. So the three C's, but it leads into your question here where it said it would be chicken, a baked potato with buttercream and buttercream and, and and sour cream. Uh, butter and sour cream, some mac and cheese on the side, and some ice cream and pumpkin pie. That would be my favorite meal.
0: Mm. That sounds delicious.
1: Are you getting Are you getting hungry?
0: Yeah, I'm gonna eat right after this. <laughs> <laughs> <Also>.
1: <laughs>
0: if you could leave one thing in a time capsule, what would it be?
1: Well, that's easy, but I'd have to drive to it first with my car. You know, you 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 you. you I I think you want to know about my car too, don't you?
0: That's right. That's right. So what was your first car?
1: Yeah, and I, I'm going to tell you about the time cap. But see, I got to get to the time capsule, so I got to I got to drive to it. And so I, I would drive to it. In my little red Corvair. I grew up as a kid in a little red Corvair. When I was 16, I had one. It had uh-huh. white bucket seats. And and I'm talked about you know the protection early in my life. In that little red Corvair, I was driving one night to school, and I drove back, and I hit a. Uh, a black spot on the road, some icy spot, I was spinning around a little red corvair, and I was heading right toward a sign it could' have killed me and mm. And I landed spot I don't remember hitting. I must have blacked out. Dad came down with one of the tractors from the farm and he pulled me out, so God even washed over me in that little red corvair, so I love that car with the white bucket seats so But now I'm at the time capsule, right,
0: <laughs>
1: mm. so the time capsule, what I'd leave in the time capsule would be uh. My latest, uh, or I always call it my, but it's God's latest uh, work that he produced through me, which was called Student of the Game in Life. I wrote a manual that God had put in. A, I, was, I, I was sick for about 30 days quite a while back. And when I went there, when, when I was in that town, I, was, I I said, this is the time God promised me to write this manual. It's a 70-page manual called Student of the Game in Life, and it's about three messages, Game of the Heart game in the mind and game on and off the table Mm
0: -hmm. it has
1: everything in it about pool 30 articles that i would written over the years but with uh updated with messages from the bible enhancement and it also has in it the journey all the titles that god owns that he equipped me with you know i was 53 when all those titles started and that's unheard of in any sport and there was 40 titles from age 53 to age 62 because god says they're only going to listen to you as a pool player if you've got titles and they're only gonna listen more if you got a Hall of Fame. So he did the equipping even older in life. Right. And so in that manual this was all put down and gave a, it's all because of God, it belongs to him. Everything, every gift, every title, every possession, everything belongs to God. And so by doing that, people could see whoever would open up the time capsule that everything belongs to God. And then the messages about if you want to be a pool player in the future, or that there was a game called Pool, they can read about how to become better spiritually in the game. It shows it talks about the rack vision in it. Mm -hmm. It talks about the whole rack vision. It's also got in it the mental game, how to use the five left-brain senses and the five right-brain senses, but it's also got about – talks about the infinite senses that God has that he works through us with the infinite senses of God, which I've been in touch with twice in my life through some miraculous situations. I don't have time to get into that, and it also has an altar call in it toward the end of the book, how you can become a Christian, and it has, of course, the play skill for the shout of joy and a lot of other verses, and it has on the very back cover, it changed the title from student of the game and life to student of life and game, because it's more about life than it is the game, and it talks about Hebrews 11:6, he's a reward of those who diligently seek him, that's the key verse in it, so it would be that student of the game thing, that would be it,
0: the manual. Great, no, that's a great manual to have too, because it's life lessons, it's God's lessons, it's. No, that's something good to yes. keep and I would hope someone would find that if that were the case. And now Tom, yes. you know, you're still on your journey. We're all on this great journey because the Lord is really pushing us to get to a place, you know, each and every day. Um and I know currently yes. with the coronavirus pandemic, you've had to kind of pause a little, but you know, I'm hoping to you can use this time to say what's next for your ministry for um how you want to kind of advance obviously your ministry uh, the gospel, even using drqpromotion.com, you know, what can we expect next for you and, and your teams?
1: Well, you know, the, you know we talked about how uh, the coronavirus came in, and, of course, it's turned everybody's self inside out. We, we really don't know where to turn, but, you know, it's really a blessing in disguise as far as the ministry. The ministry, you know, has the great opportunity now to go worldwide through a computer screen. Mm. And before, when Steve and I were traveling on the road with a portable table behind a pickup truck, you know, you go from A to B to C, and you can't just get on the boat and go over to Europe all of a sudden. So the, the, my, the future of what I see is, and what's happening right now is, is that the rack room, the rack vision, right. after all those years of dormancy, and after being shared by the traveling with Steve and I and other of my other brothers and sisters in Christ, the travels now with Steve and I on the portable table, we just got back from Florida on that one. Now we can't go anywhere, so we can take the rack vision and the rack room vision. More importantly, which was the enhancement to the rack vision, where a rack room primarily, Walter, is, a, is a, a place in a person's heart where you accept Christ and you put Him in a room in your heart. There's a room. There's rooms in your heart. We have to make room for Jesus. You put Him in there and you make Him a recreational ambassador for Christ's kingdom. That is what rack stands for. Recreational Ambassador for Christ's Kingdom, R A C K. Mm -hmm. So when you go from the lowercase rack of as a pool player to the uppercase rack as an acronym to become a recreational ambassador for Christ's Kingdom, you then can share that online through the rack room concept. In other words, we go to we go to literal pool rooms, we go to media people, we go to production people, manufacturers, uh service people, uh industry organizations. And we are sharing the Rack Room vision, which originated from the Rack Vision. We are sharing how do you develop yourself as a certified Rack Room person in your heart. Well, it's easy. When you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, mm-hmm. you are now an officially a Rack Room person because mm-hmm. that's what it's all based on is the foundation of Christ. And so that's what we're using through uh, development of uh, – A media source, Steve is working now through Zoom and other things. We're working together with messages, the game of the heart, the game in the mind, the game on and off the table. We're sharing it now worldwide through this crazy cyberspace thing that reaches anybody even in the deepest jungles of Africa. You can reach somebody. So it's going to be exciting to see. And by the way, there's pool players all over the world, even Antarctica. So somebody in (laughs) Antarctica may still hear that message. Let's hope so. Even though I may not get there, but I believe I am. If I don't, they can still hear the message in Antarctica. So that gospel's still going to reach them even through the rack room vision because they got a pool table and they play that 10 months of the year when they can't leave, go anywhere. Right. So that's what I'm doing right now, focusing on that, the journey of joy with Steve and the journey of freedom as Steve expounds. I explain, I, I solve the soil with the journey of joy. Steve brings in that message of freedom with the gospel message. And Together, people's lives are being transitioned in the bird industry. So that harvest used to be $50 million. It is That number's going down because
0: mm-hmm. the
1: vision is going forward, and they're being reached with that message of love and joy and peace and patience and everything else in the fruit of the Spirit. So I'm excited about it, Walter, and that's what's going forward now in my life.
0: That's fantastic. And, yes, please check out the Rack Vision on the website, com. And, again, how something back in years ago God – presented to you and now look at it now in 2020 how it's being really fulfilled and continue to be fulfilled and I think it's really exciting um for you guys I'm I'm so encouraged for the Rack Vision I want to hear more about it um but before we do say goodbye Tom you know especially in the current times that we're in and you've been so encouraging and your breaking point to breakthrough was just inspiring uh for me and I'm hoping to others but you know before we say goodbye is there like a parting gift or a word of encouragement maybe that's on your heart that you just want to share before we leave?
1: Yeah, I have both. I have a gift and I have a parting words.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: First of all, I have, a literal, I have a literal gift for them, okay? <laughs> if they'll go to dracupromotions.com, and on the top there's the little menu tabs, and one of them says products. And if you go up and hit the products tab, and then you scroll, you'll see these little windows, and the first window is the manual, rack up a victory manual. You click on it. And it tells you how to download it free of charge for your smartphone, for your computer, whatever. You can get the manual free of charge, and I want to encourage people to download this manual. It, we usually charge $7, and we sold it on the road with, in a binder form. But now it's free of charge online. So this is a great gift, and I believe it should be in every pool player's hands, and, any, and even people who aren't even pool players that love the game, they watch as a fan, a friend. Get the manual, read it. That's how you get that off the website. And the final parting words would be very simple that I just want to encourage people to rack up a victory mm. in their game, but most importantly, their life in, with Christ and just enjoy the role always and play skillfully with that shout of joy. So thank you for this opportunity to share, Walden.
0: Uh, Tom, it was truly a pleasure uh, spending time to talk with you and hear your story and just how God has worked amazingly with you and those around you, you know. And remember to visit... Dr. Drcuepromotions.com, D-R-C-U-E, Promotions.com. Get that free manual, as Tom mentioned, uh, and hopefully it'll encourage you. I was so encouraged. And Tom, I just wish you continued blessings in your life.
1: The same to you. A double, uh, double portion of blessings on YouTube, Walter, and all you're doing.
0: Thank you to everyone for listening. I hope that what we shared was inspiring and transformative for your life and will help you continue your personal walk with God. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to stay updated for future episodes. If you feel like a journey seems too tough, remember, God will put people in your lives to make that journey an amazing one. So be on the lookout. God's plan for you are always good. I'm Walter Lynn. Take care and God bless.